want to welcome all of you to the podcast. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. So I work as a veterinarian in Texas, although I'm originally from Louisiana. You might have seen me on TikTok or Instagram at Dr. Hunter Finn, trying to educate pet owners on those platforms. This show is about things that interest me, bringing the most interesting news and events to you, and talking to really interesting and inspiring people who are trying to make this world a better place. Today, we have a fantastic guest. She's a dear friend of mine and a pet lover. Our guest is known on YouTube as Mzotic, where she has had viral videos about giant African land snails and other exotic pets. She's a full-time content creator and digital animal educator, creating content for pet lovers on her YouTube channel. Thanks for joining, Imalak. It's great to have you on my podcast. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Finn, for inviting me on this very special episode of your podcast. I am so excited to be here. And thank you, everybody who has just decided to tune in. Um, if you wanted to know a little bit more about me, my name is M, also known online as Mzotic. I am a pet YouTuber, and I like to share my life caring for various different kinds of exotic creatures. I've also recently published my very first book all about our uh, love for creatures and how creatures help us in our day-to-day lives with our mental health. And I'm just very, very interested in animals and their place on social media as well. So that's me in a little nutshell. It's, and honestly, it's hard to put you in a nutshell because like you have an incredible story and, you know, I know you for the last year and like, I feel like I'm still just learning more things about you, but you're an incredible person. And did you ever, like, how did you see yourself getting here? Like, how did you get started? Well, that's actually a a good question because the truth is I didn't see myself getting here. I've randomly arrived in a place where I'm just feeling so fulfilled with where I am professionally, emotionally, spiritually, and I really have to dial it back coming now from a place of being feeling so blessed. I have to dial it back to a place when I didn't feel quite so blessed. I've worked many different animal jobs in my life, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later on. But when I very at the very beginning when I started YouTube, it was born from a place of needing to heal and find community. Uh, the, uh, the, the weeks leading up to me starting my YouTube channel were actually spent in a hospital. I almost uh, sadly passed a couple of years ago due to complications following a lost pregnancy. And while I was in the hospital wondering, what am I going to do with my life? I almost died. This cannot be it for me. I thought, I really want to share a message. I want to entertain people. I want to inspire people and share my love and passion for animals with the world. And I thought YouTube would be a really great place for me just to just to upload a couple of videos, maybe share my giant African land snail or share my pet cockroaches, which I adore. My pet cockroaches are my children. And I'm sure lots of people are recoiling at the thought of having tons of cockroaches as pets, but they are honestly great. And Apparently, YouTube thought so too, because after I uploaded my cockroach video, it went viral. And suddenly I had this tribe of wonderful people coming to learn more about cockroach care, snail care, uh, and learning about the different animals I was working with at the time as an animal educator. I would travel around the UK and take birds of prey, meerkats, armadillos, snakes, and give people hands-on experiences with them in schools, um, libraries, community um, community places and uh, even prisons as well for prisoners on good behavior. And I would let people get a hands-on experience with them. And I just translated all of my knowledge and experience onto YouTube and found a community called my Creature Crew, who I love. So shout out to any Creature Crew who are tuning in today. Um, And it's just opened so many doors for me to the pet industry and doors to worlds I didn't even know existed. And doors to you, Hunter. I mean, I'm sorry, Dr. Hunter Finn. I even wrote it down. Look, I even wrote it down to call you Dr. Hunter Finn. <laughs> That's okay. You know, you can call me Hunter. And and just to touch on that, I mean, you know, you kind of baited me into this friendship in the very beginning. You know, you're like, hey, I've got this really big project and I think that you'd be great to kind of come on and, and help me with it. And um, just remind me, did we ever, um, has that happened or, or did we, did we, did, did that ever go on? I'm sorry. Could you repeat? <laughs> so whenever you you messaged me did um yeah first project that we you were like hey i think you'd be a great fit for it and that 
you know, blossomed our great friendship. Um, but did that project ever happen or were you just tricking me into this fantastic friendship? Okay, listen, what you're talking about is my one day to be podcast, which is going to be called Work on the Wild Side. And the whole idea around that is I want to interview people who do different animal jobs. And I needed a veterinarian because that's one of the best known animal jobs out there. So I was looking on Instagram and I came across your Instagram. I think at the time you had about 1300 followers and I just DM'd you. And uh, that was, I think, in January 2020, I think. And so it was, yeah, just 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 a year or so ago. Um, and uh since then, I think we've spoken almost every single week, most days, actually. Um, and I, I've learned so much about you uh, through the work that you've done and what it is to be a veterinarian behind the scenes. Uh, you've really opened up my eyes to how difficult the, the the job of being a veterinarian can be. Yeah. And honestly, you know, you've been you've been a great friend to me and I'm so happy to have you on today because you've got just an incredible story and you're always so inspirational. You're such a good person. You're one of the hardest workers that I know. And I feel like, you know, the lifestyle that you live is just, it's, it's just incredible. I mean, you literally get to live out your passion that started with, you know, caring for all sorts of different animals that I don't get to see on a daily basis, even as a veterinarian, like you've got so much knowledge and passion and you have, put that on a platform that you've grown, you know, immensely. Your YouTube is incredible. And you've written a book since then. You've done so many incredible things. And let's go back to that first viral video where you were talking about your snail. I mean, what, you know, what made you want to put that out there? What, what, what was going through your mind at that point? Well, that was one of the few animals that I was personally keeping as a pet at home. And I wanted to pick a subject that I knew something about. You know, if you're going to come and make a breakout video on YouTube, you really have to be passionate about your subject. And naturally for me, that is animals. And I just picked probably the most charismatic animal I had at the time, which was my giant African land snail, Shrek. And when we're talking giant, I mean, we're talking almost the size of my face. It's a big, big snail. Uh, and I think uh, perhaps the success of that video is that there weren't very many women, I suppose, on YouTube really holding up mollusks and talking about them so affectionately, giving them baths and showing what they eat. So I suppose there was a level of absurdity to it, which uh, allowed it to go viral and people wanted to, uh, to share that. Um, and people were just very fascinated to learn about what snails eat. You know, they don't know that they uh, have this uh, amazing tongue called a radula, which they can use to rasp away at their food. They like to eat lots of different kinds of leafy greens. There's actually even snail formulas available now. They're, they're a whole industry of their own. Who knew that mollusks would take over the pet industry? Um, but uh, certainly people did enjoy that. And that really has springboarded me to where I am now. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's crazy to me because, you know, even as a vet, like people ask me all sorts of questions, like any animal related question, they're like, you've got to know about it. And honestly, I don't, I don't know everything. I'll be the first person to tell you that. But when it comes to like very interesting facts, like what you just talked about with your snails, like I had no idea about that. I did not have that class in vet school or else I missed it. Um, but those are, I mean, that's super interesting information. And I think that it's so cool how you've taken what you've learned in your passion and you've literally turned it into a lifestyle. Um, and I know that, you know, other than your snails, I mean, you have so many different animals. You've had so many different types over the years. So what what other animals do you have right now? So right now in this room that I'm speaking to you from, I have my loyal, beautiful dog, Kiba, who's currently snoozing away under my desk. He is a gorgeous, very rare breed of dog called a Eurasia. Um, absolutely wonderful spitz breed type of dog. I also have probably my two most notorious animals called Dobby and Niffler. They are my two very sweet ferrets who are constantly getting up to mischief. Then over to my left, I have my ball python, Car. She actually traveled with me from the United Kingdom to the United States and got lost uh, during a hurricane uh, on an airplane that uh, I suppose landed somewhere it wasn't supposed to and all the cargo got mixed up. Thankfully, she made it to me without any problems. Um, but yes, yeah, she did definitely go on a little detour of her, her own. I also have a gray banded king snake, which is a beautiful species of colubrid. And it is uh, uh, her name is Zombie. She's got cataracts on both of her eyes and she was a rescue. Okay. 
Thank yeah. you. She really does look like a zombie. Then behind me, I have two toke geckos, which are beautiful powder blue geckos with orange or red spots. Um, and uh, I also have a pair of cockroaches behind me as well, over on this side, as well as a new baby gecko I picked up yesterday, a baby crested gecko. Oh, wow. How, where do you like, like, because I honestly just don't know, but where do you get like, where do you acquire all these animals from? Because I just the the normal person, even like a veterinarian, I have no idea. So can you tell me like how you got you talked about a rescue snake and you just got a new baby crested gecko? Like, how, where do you find these animals at? here and there you know <laughs> they tend to find me actually uh the um the the dog obviously is one that i planned for for many years and uh, i was on a waiting list for him for quite a long time uh one of my ferrets came from a pet store which was uh, not in the greatest condition so i decided to bring him home the other ferret was through a friend's pet store uh, my snake uh car my very first snake who i've had now for over 14 years uh, the one that got lost during the uh the hurricane uh, she was actually a rescue. So she was uh, won in a game of cards by somebody in the UK who was, I believe, drinking in a pub and then sobered up the next day and realized he was terrified of his prize and was keeping her in a sink, which uh, he was keeping covered with a giant atlas. Uh, so I had to go and pick her up and she just won me over and she became my first snake that I kept at home. Uh, the cockroaches that I have were supposed to be feeders. Uh, feeders are animals you feed to other animals. So they were going to be food for my toke geckos, but I actually fell in love with two of them. So I decided to keep two back. The rest I fed off. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you kept it, You kept your two favorites, but the rest of them. They, they... <laughs> exactly. Um, so they, those were the two lucky survivors. Um, but there are actually dedicated reptile stores throughout the United States and uh, in Europe as well, um, where you can pick up various different kinds of reptiles and you can talk to knowledgeable people who want to uh, teach about how to care for these animals. There are also plenty of people who do actually buy or adopt animals that they realize uh, very quickly uh, don't fit in with their lifestyle. So they end up putting them up for sale on places like Craigslist uh, or dumping them in, in special exotics rescues. So you can also find them in, in, in their own dedicated rescues as well. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's even in, in any species, like we see, we see stories like that. And I've never really personally thought about that with the exotic world either. I know that, you know, people will take snakes and they'll just literally release them out into the wild. And, and that's just, it's, it's tough, you know, when you've, you've kind of lived in that environment, um, like your rescue snake, I mean, literally one over a game of cards, that's something that you just have, I've never heard of that before. I mean, that could literally be its own movie. That is, that is hilarious. Like you wake up and you're like, I don't like snakes. What do I do with this? Um, but you said you've, you've had Ka for 14 years. Is that what you said? How long, how long did they normally stick around with people for like an otherwise like healthy animal like that? Well, for a ball python, you could be looking at over 30 years for a healthy ball python. So she's not even halfway through her lifespan. And if I play my cards right, you know, she she might be with me for a very, very long time yet. Uh, there is the issue that I don't actually know how old she is being a rescue, but she was very tiny when I did bring her home. So that leads me to believe she's probably no more than 15 or 16 yeah. I mean, that's incredible. And you think about it, like, you know, with dogs, I mean, they last, you know, a certain a while. Some of them range from 10 to 20 years sometimes, which is incredible. But you're talking 30 years. That That's a long time. I mean, that's longer than some people live. I mean, that's literally something that I feel like you can't just make a drastic like change. Like, hey, I want a snake today because that I mean, they're going to be around for a long time and you need to give them a great life. I mean, it's it's so much work and commitment, you really have to think about your decisions. And I feel like in today's world, like people, <laughs> they make some drastic decisions, like just on a whim. And I'm sure that with the line of work that you do, you see that. Oh, absolutely. You mentioned the word commitment. And I think that that's a very important word to touch on because when it comes to keeping an exotic pet, uh, people don't often realize just how much uh, commitment and dedication they take. Reptiles in particular are, kind of, uh, are kinds of animals which won't always show, obviously, if they are not thriving. It's, it's in their best interest um, to hide any kind of weakness. Uh, so a lot of people think that their animals are you know, doing just great when the 
reality is the animals are just surviving and not exactly thriving. And that's something that I'm very passionate about is trying to guide people uh, to understand exactly what they're getting into when they do bring home a reptile or any kind of exotic pet for that matter. And understanding just how long that commitment is, how expensive that commitment is. Because whereas an animal to purchase, say my crested gecko yesterday, $79. Most people can spend $79 on a pet. But then there's the setup. And then there's the veterinary costs and then there's the feeding costs and then there's replacing the very expensive lighting and the heating that comes with looking after these creatures. So it's not even just about the purchase price, but also the ongoing cost of looking after an animal. And that's something I'm very passionate about making people aware of. Yeah, I mean, you've got a I mean, you've got a fantastic following and and not just like, you know, exotic lovers, but people like you said, you've got Kiva, you've got your dog. I mean, you have pet parents around the world that literally look to you, they trust you. And you're doing a great job of like, I've seen your post. I mean, you're informing people. So you teach me things all the time. And and like I said, like people look to me for advice for everything. I don't have all the answers. I think you're incredible. Um, but like going back to say, say, Ka, I mean, you, you said that we've had Ka for what, 14 years or so. And, and it was a rescue and was maybe not came out of the best situation. But as far as the cataracts go, I mean, was that something that that we had whenever you got them or did that develop a little bit later? Or was it kind of already in the process? Oh, okay. So Car, my 14-year-old ball python, she's not the one with the cataracts. That would be oh. Zombie, my Mexican oh, zombie. gray banded. That's okay. They're both snakes at the end of the day. Um, but uh, the cataracts, they they did come with her. Um, zombie's story is very interesting, uh, but not uncommon. She was somebody's breeder animal. And that means that her entire existence before she came to me was producing clutch after clutch of eggs for breeders to sell into the reptile market, which is a, a booming trade. And yes, it is not the best life for a snake. Um, I, I don't particularly agree with it. I personally don't breed any of my animals. Um, they're, they're really here just for me to enjoy and to have a good life. Um, but with Zombie, it was clear that she has been uh, a breeder for many years. Just like us as humans, as you get older, your body changes and part of the change for her was to develop cataracts. Now, actually, interestingly, snakes can develop cataracts because of old age or certain species can also develop them because they've been exposed to too much UV. However, being a breeder in the United States, I believe she was probably kept in something called a racking system, which looks like a series of pull-out drawers. You might be familiar with what yeah, racking what systems we, look like. I mean, I've heard of it before, but what can you kind of explain that a little bit further? Sure. So when it comes to keeping snakes, there are two different types of enclosures that are the most common. The first one is for pet keepers, and that's a sort of vivarium type uh, set up where you have, say, a four by two by two box looking enclosure uh, with sliding doors at the front and you make it out to be a beautiful little enclosure. And then there are those who want to keep multiple snakes and naturally uh, to breed them uh, for a profit or for a hobby. And to keep multiple snakes, uh, obviously you want to save on space. So people use racking systems, which look a lot like um, shelves with pull-out drawers, uh, I suppose. And it's a much smaller space, um, which is what I believe Zombie was kept in. So I believe her cataracts were due to old age rather than exposure to UV because most racking systems don't have the capability to support UV, uh, which I believe is very important for animals. If they live in the wild in a place where they can access UV, I believe they should be provided with it in, in captivity as well. Um, but her cataracts, thankfully, don't interfere with her ability to get around. Um, snakes, if you're not familiar with snakes, they have a variety of other ways to, um, to navigate. They have a wonderful forked tongue, which they can use to detect heat, moisture, um, even uh, movement as well. It reports back to something called the Jacobson's organ, and that helps them to process all of this information. So actually, she can get around just fine, completely blind. Um, and uh, she's really enjoying her retirement with me. She has zero purpose other than to be the fabulous snake she is and to live a wonderful uh, life in retirement where she doesn't have to produce any more babies. Yeah. And honestly, I think that you've given her literally, I mean, the, the best life that she could have. I mean, she came from, you know, who knows what, but obviously it wasn't, you know, probably the best um, scenario. And you've given her just an, a completely new life, which is just incredible. And, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you're you're doing such a wonderful thing. And I, and I just have to ask, I mean, I'm assuming that you you named her zombie after you you already kind of saw her. What did it have to do with the cataracts? Okay. That, that, means, that, that I just had to ask. That makes sense. And I think it's a wonderful name. I think that she loves it. And I think that she is thriving. Um, but, you know, as far as is is when you were like a kid, you know, I, I knew I wanted to be a vet when I was seven years old, but I never foresaw myself doing anything other than than say treating like dogs and cats i mean that's always what i wanted to do were you always interested in like reptiles and exotics when you were a kid or or how how did that kind of start so i was always interested in all animals ever since i was young it started with insects and invertebrates in my garden and then i suppose the big switch to exotics happened when my family moved from london where i was born to Hong Kong, where I spent the vast majority of my childhood and teenage years. And Hong Kong is just rich with wildlife, which you perhaps wouldn't expect. I, I, I did not. I just, when I picture Hong Kong, I've never been there. I just picture like huge like skyscrapers and city and people, but, but the wildlife, that's, that's pretty incredible. Oh, it is. I mean, you always see the, the, the skyline of, of Hong Kong from one side, but what you don't realize is 15 minutes through the Aberdeen Tunnel, you come out the other side of the island and it's a completely different, uh, a different world, just rich with birds and reptiles and, and sea mammal life. It's just absolutely breathtaking. And for me, it's just sparked so much of my imagination to the point that I started bringing home as many animals as I could catch in my pockets. Um, Much to my mother's dismay, she is not an animal lover in any way. Um, And she was constantly fishing lizards and things out of my pockets. So uh, she actually ended up sewing up my pockets. uh, So I couldn't bring home any more scaly friends, which she was really uh, not happy about. Um, But uh, I've always wanted to learn as much as I can about animals. And when I was 10 years old, uh, a pet store opened right across the road from where I used to live. And I just remember one day getting off the school bus and toddling over and introducing myself and saying, hello, I'm, I'm Emma. And one day I'm going to be doing something great with animals. Teach me how to run a pet store. And the owner did. She brought me on as her manager. She got me a little manager badge and I was only 10. And she taught me everything from how to stock the shelves, how to deal with problematic customers. Uh, it was just a wonderful way for me to gain experience. Um, and it's it's the best thing I can uh, encourage those who are looking to uh, have a career with animals. No matter how old or young you are, there's something you can learn. No experience is ever wasted. And uh, you can just ask people to teach you what they know. Find a mentor. It's it's the best. It, it gave me such a, a wonderful foundation from which to build on my knowledge. I mean, and that's, that's, that's the honest truth. Like having a good mentor is almost everything with setting you up for success and really, you know, helping you learn the trade or whatever that may be in, in any field. But that's just, you know, I would have never, I never knew that you actually were in a pet store. Like that's something that I've known you for over a year now. And I don't think we've ever talked about this. So, you know, what kind of, I, I deal with customers. I'm, you know, basically I, I provide a service every day. And as you know, I've got very good days and I've got sometimes I'm going through things. My clients are going through things. It's not always pretty, but like in a pet store, what, what kind of, what kind of things would you deal with? Like, how would you, how would you handle some of, some of the difficult like scenarios? Well, a lot of the difficult scenarios I encountered were people with very archaic views on what to feed their animals. I've always tried to push the boundaries on what is acceptable to feed an animal. Um, And not everybody wants to spend money on medication or vitamins or a a really premium diet. And not everybody wants to take advice from a 10-year-old. So I was dealing with a lot of ageism as well. Um, But over time, just learning not to get frustrated, to uh, be able to understand that this is a very peculiar situation. Situation that a lot of these customers are finding themselves in talking to a 10-year-old running a store by herself because between you and me, the owner of the store had a bit of a gambling problem and as soon as I clocked in, they clocked out. <laughs> so, so I was just left to run the place by myself. Um, and uh, it, it was it was always a learning, a, a learning opportunity every single day. I wanted to read every ingredient list. I wanted to ask everybody what breed of dog they had. And wonderfully, there was actually a veterinarian's clinic right next door to me in the same building. So you'd enter this building and it was the same staircase to get to the pet store or the vet's clinic. And there was a wonderful Australian vet who knew that I had 
had uh, hopes of becoming a veterinarian. And during my break times, I would just tottle over to the vet's clinic and I would hang out with the vet and he, okay, this is probably not legal, um, but this place no longer exists. This is a long time ago. Um, but he would let me sit in and observe the surgeries and explain to me everything he was doing. And he even let me remove a couple of stitches. I'm really good at removing stitches. So if anyone has stitches they need removing, you can hit me up. I'm your girl. You know, he had a lot more trust in you than I would. That's for sure. I would. I don't know about you touching my stitches just because, I don't know. I've, I've seen you. I've seen you in action. But no, that's that's awesome. I mean, and that's something that, you know, like from a veterinarian standpoint, just as a as a kid and someone who's, yeah, I think you said you were around 10 at the time, but like you've got all this motivation and passion and to have someone else just kind of welcome you in like that and say, hey, like, come see what this is about. Um, you know, that probably had some effect on you and like where you are today, even though you're not a veterinarian, you're still thriving in what you're doing and you absolutely love it. And I think that that's just incredible. Thank you. Yes. And it was actually through being able to observe this veterinarian action that I realized that my whole life, people were telling me, you're going to be a brilliant veterinarian one day. Oh, you know, one day you're just going to, uh, you're going to love being a vet. I realized I didn't want to be an animal doctor. And that was at a young age, difficult for me to comprehend because growing up, if you're interested in animals, all people tell you is you can be a pet store worker, a zookeeper or a veterinarian. And everybody tells you to go and be a veterinarian because they think that that's where the majority of the earning potential lies. Um, and naturally, my parents not being animal people, that's the most prestigious uh, uh, career that there is for an animal person. You become a literal animal doctor. It's hard work to get there in such a worthwhile profession. Um, and, and so just... I'm in awe of every single veterinarian out there because I've seen firsthand what it takes to do the job. And you've also opened my eyes to how difficult the job can be as well. And not everybody's cut out for it. But I did realize very young that I, as much as I loved animals, I did not want to work with them in the capacity of providing them with healthcare. Um, and that's that I only achieved through being able to ask questions and being in a safe environment where I could observe and really think for myself, is this what I want? What do I truly want from my future career? And when I realized, no, I could pivot and try a lot of different animal careers. I kind of uh, just sort of sampled, if you will, so many different animal careers. And when I was about 11 or 12, so a year or two later, I decided to start working with dogs. I started working with the Hong Kong RSPCA. I, again, had a wonderful contact there who took a chance on me and who taught me how to lay traps for all the stray dogs that were living in the mountains. And it was my job to capture them, bring them in, train them and actually place them with the appropriate family. So people gave me a lot of responsibility as a child. And again, it made me realize what I do like about certain jobs and what I don't. That's incredible. I mean, you see, how old did you say you were then? Like with, with all of that responsibility, you were 12 or 13. Is that what you said? Th that, I mean, that's, that's crazy to me. And also, I mean, I couldn't imagine. I think when I was 11 or 12, I was like, you know, I want to be a vet, but I was, you know, playing video games with my friends. I wasn't, I wasn't taking on near as much responsibility as you were. And, you know, like I said, I, I've known you for a while now. I know you're an extremely driven person, but just all these experiences have kind of shaped you and set you up to be the incredible, you know, person that you are essentially. And, and I, I think that it says a lot that, you know, a lot of the experiences we have as like a, a younger, you know, kid really sets your future up. And it's kind of, you know, like you said, you've tried all sorts of different things to, to get to where you are. Absolutely. Um, and I think that that's actually very important, if I might just interject, is um, part of what I really want to do is inspire people to really critique their own lives and understand what they want to do. Because there are so, even just when it comes to animal careers, every single animal career is so multifaceted. You are a veterinarian, but you've chosen to focus as well, not only on just the traditional veterinary medicine, but also acupuncture for animals, which a lot of people wouldn't know even exists. And part of what I want to do is to make people question how far they can push their own, uh, their own intellect and marry up what they enjoy doing with what's actually going to show them a return and help them to progress in their, their personal and spiritual lives. You have to be spiritually fulfilled in what you do. And that's very important in order for someone to thrive in their career. Um, so certainly 
trying lots of different things. Most people would frown upon. I'm sure plenty of parents, if they see their children bouncing from job to job, would think, oh, this person's going to be a total flake when they grow up. And I don't like this. You should find something and stick to it. I disagree. I highly disagree. I think you need to try as many different things as possible to understand what you truly like. And for me, I realized that even being a zookeeper for a time did not make me happy because it was too regimented and I didn't understand how much red tape there was working as a zookeeper, that you weren't in charge of budgets. You couldn't make the changes to improve the animals' lives as much as you wanted to. So I really had to find a job where I could marry up what not only I was interested in, but what I'm good at. And what I'm interested in, what I'm good at, didn't fit any career. I had to make my own. And then... (laughs) That's that's the truth. I had to make my own career. Um, so I, I would say to people not to despair if they're not sure what they want to do. Uh, if they just know that they want to work with animals, experiment. Don't be afraid. Just experiment and trust your journey. Yeah. And I mean, you're, you were living proof of that. I mean, you were absolutely crushing it. You're helping so many people, including me. I mean, like I said, I don't think I would be where I'm at without you, you know, coming into my life and, and baiting me with a, a potential collaboration. But regardless, we'll forget about that. You've been you've been incredible. And I'm so thankful for that. And, you know, you've built this just huge community of what you call the creature crew. And I know that they adore you and they look up to you. And I think that, you know, you've got a large um, like age range there. I mean, you reach all sorts of different people. Um and you're you're just helping so many people and you do it with such passion and such grace. And I'm a fan. I, I think that there needs to be more people like you. And with kind of like what you were saying is there's not just a linear path sometimes to to being happy and being successful. I mean, you tried so many different things because you knew you wanted to deal with animals, but you know, you tried maybe potentially like looking at what the vet life was and looking into, you know, zookeeping and you figured like this just isn't for me and so you made your own path. And I think that, you know, you you are making the world a better place every single day. Thank you. And number one, I didn't bait you, okay? That time that I slid (laughs) into your DMs to start talking to you was because I wanted to pick your brain. Okay, let's just clarify that. Okay, sure. (laughs) For the record, sure. (laughs) For the record. Um, But uh, I've also learned so much from you and and you have such a great TikTok presence where you have (laughs) married up. Don't bring up up the TikTok. (laughs) No, you've married up really fantastically cheesy dance moves with animal facts and and veterinary facts and and pet care i mean what what an explosion and marriage of 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 creativity and intellect i absolutely love that my favorite tiktok yeah yeah, go what's your what's your favorite tiktok all right so my favorite tiktok video of yours um has to be the one where recently you were asking uh, telling people that you know there's you're not leaving tiktok and the cringy dances uh, because your job's not done and you shared somebody um squirting dog chocolate uh, chocolate on their dog's head and just your face said it all um but anything that you you produce with the the dance moves because i know where you first started and you're just at the very beginning you weren't sure about the dance moves and now you commit to it hunter you just you commit to these dance moves and and you're obviously having a great time and that's what i love to watch you know it's kind of just like the blind leading the blind out there you know i started and i was like you know i started head up so you couldn't see the rest of my body and then i started slowly getting like a little hip swing i think when i got to like two hundred thousand followers and i was like people actually like this stuff maybe i'm on to something and then you just kind of go through these fluctuations of like whose vet is this someone needs to come get their vet because this is <laughs> this is embarrassing and then other people are like i love it like my my daughter's seen you on tiktok like my son's seen you like we love that you're like putting yourself out there and it's just been a really fun thing. And you know what? It kind of goes back to why you've been another reason you've been such an incredible presence, you know, in my life is who's who's the first person who told me about TikTok? Because I had no idea what it was um, this time last year. But whenever you came around, you had just come back from Orlando, I think it was. And you were telling me, you know, there's this new thing called TikTok. There's so many TikTokers there. And of course, I looked into it. And then here we are. And and it's so funny because I was telling you how all these young whippersnappers were just killing it on TikTok and invading Playlist Live, which is normally traditionally full of YouTubers. And uh, you and I were just laughing about how it's all dance moves. And you were like, I'd never do that. And then two weeks later, what yes. do you know? You've downloaded it and you're making TikToks and swaying those hips that don't lie and people are enjoying it. 
I, I remember our conversation because I literally said, I'm never going to dance on this app. I think there's been multiple people who have said stuff like that. And uh, it took me it took me like two or three months. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And I haven't looked back since. I've even taken a couple of dancing classes and, and you know, they might have paid off a little bit, but um, it, it's just been an incredible experience. And I have you to thank for that. So I'm super appreciative of you just being a part of my life. Oh, well, thank you so much. You know, the feeling's mutual and you've taught me so much as well. And, and you know, being being a creator can be a very lonely space. You work from home alone, especially during a pandemic. And uh, as as creative as it is, there are very few people who really understand what goes into creating content that people want to consume. So being able to have creator buddies such as yourself, who you can bounce ideas off of um, and consult with is, is so important. And it's also a, an ever-changing landscape out there. One week off of social media and it's completely changed. So uh, the trends of changed the way that you handle hashtags and algorithms has changed so being able to consult with those who also make a living doing absurd things like dancing on tiktok or creating youtube videos about snails is is very important yeah and i think it's just it just kind of drives home the fact that you know so many people they're they're just not happy with what they do and you could be you know successful from the outside looking in you could be making lots of money you could have lots of friends but there's just a lot of people that just don't love what they do. And I think at the end of the day, if you don't love what you do and you don't have passion into it, to me, that's just not success. You're just kind of getting by. And I think that if you do have a true passion, something like you show with, you know, every YouTube video you put out, there's so much passion and creativity involved with it. I think that's why it's so successful. And, you know, I love it. I know that you're reaching so many people. I've seen what your creature crew says about you. They, they're, they're there for you until the end. And that's just, that's invaluable. Oh, it really is. And and community is everything. There has to be a larger purpose when you get started on social media um, to just than ju- other than just growing. If your sole passion is to, to, to grow in numbers, it's not going to happen. You have to be able to have a, a larger purpose. You have to give people value. You have to either educate them or entertain them or give them an escape from their everyday lives. Um, and really, when it comes to my content, I just want to create content that not only I enjoy, but that I would have wanted to watch as well growing up. You know, we didn't have YouTube when I was super, super young and and I don't want to age myself too much right here. Um, but but information as well on, on looking after animals was not that readily available. I still had to used to go to a library to go and learn about, um, you know, if I wanted to keep a pet rabbit, I'd have to check out a, a book and learn about it. But I want to take out that sort of middle area. Not that I disrespect libraries. I love libraries. Um, I get I get such thrills from opening a book and just like breaking its spine and sniffing it. It's great. Oh, okay. This is this is getting weird here. I, I'll be honest with you. When I when I libraries, you're really aging yourself. I used to go to libraries and we learned, you know, the Dewey Decimal System and all of that good stuff. But now there's just a Google search, and and that's played a huge part into I think what both of us are doing in terms of social media. I mean. Anything people want to know now, they're going to they're going to go to the Internet. They're going to type in information. And I'm sure you see that all the time with someone who might be like a new reptile owner. I mean, they're going to Google like how to take care of them. And then you're going to get just a page full of so many different options and opinions. And and you're you're dealing with an animal's life. So it's pretty scary. So I love that you're out there just really advocating for them and, and putting, you know, research backed information out there things that you know are true and are going to help those animals not just survive but thrive like you said oh absolutely that's something that i i feel very strongly about is answering people's questions and helping people to have access to resources that they otherwise might not be able to find so when people do type in you know the best food for a bearded dragon in google you know i want me i want myself to pop up i want to be able to guide them through the process so i i foresee myself making videos for many many years but i'm also very conscious of not um, overhyping my knowledge. I know enough, but we're always learning. And that's why I love having connections and meeting people who do other things um, other than uh, just being a pet YouTuber. I, I love learning about your work as a veterinarian or other people's work and experiences as as animal trainers, for example. Um, and I've always said to my audience, I, I know, you know, 
what I know and I, I share that, but I'm always learning. And if I don't know the answer to a question, I will challenge the community to go and learn about it and then come back and teach me. Uh, I, I always want to learn and I learn so much from my community. Uh, and the, just the sharing of knowledge is probably one of the most fulfilling aspects of what I do. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. And and honestly, like like I said, I'm the first person that will tell you that I don't know everything and I'm never going to know everything. And honestly, the more that I learn, the more I realize I don't know. Like, it's it's just the truth. I, I realize that there's so many different ends to a mean. And I always try to work with my clients or or anyone I'm trying to help, you know, with with what they're looking for and and try to not force anything upon people. You know, like, that's just not a good approach to to anything you try to do in life. And I feel like people are more receptive when you you listen to them for one and you can have a meaningful conversation and you don't always see eye to eye at the end, but you both walk away with probably learning something and you have a, a more profound respect for each other as well. I think so. And actually, let me just turn this interview around. May I ask you a question, Dr. Hunter Finn? Oh, I, I guess you you might as well shoot. Well, what I would like to know is, is what is it like as a veterinarian working in a professional capacity to also have to balance and manage a more creative outlet? Because from where I'm sitting, I don't often get questioned about what I do because I've been bizarre from the very beginning and eclectic, but you're in a very traditionally professional environment. How, how do you navigate that? Yeah, so that is actually very tough because, you know, I am what I would call an introverted extrovert. I mean, I have a social battery and it runs out very quickly. And I'm I'm talking to people all day long. I love it. I love in-person, you know, with the whole COVID stuff, it's been really tough. But I love in-person, you know, visits because it really allows me to engage with the client and the pet and show them that, you know, we're going to figure it out. We're, we're in this as a team. Um, with social media, it's, it's, it's different because I'm, I need to be professional for one, you know, this is a, an age old practice where you really, as a, as far as take this, for example, I've had, you know, some people that they don't like what I'm doing necessarily because, um, they want, they don't want to see their doctor out on the internet. They don't want to see their doctor, you know, having drinks with friends, which is certainly not what I do on TikTok, but they don't, they don't want to see their doctor as anything else other than their doctor. They, they don't necessarily see us as a human being. And we're, and that's exactly what we are. You know, I'm figuring out life just like they are, but I, I have decided that I want to spend my life helping them and their pets as well. Um, so it's, it's, we've kind of got this stigma that, you know, one, we know everything, we can fix everything. We have no emotions. We get paid a ton and we're, and we're just in it as this is just our job and this is what we are. But I think that social media has allowed me to show my creative side more so than like your standard veterinary professional. And I can find fun ways of not, you know, giving any mind blowing information, just things that, that other people have said, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting people to, to really listen. You know, they, they see this guy up here that's like, obviously outside of his comfort zone and doing, well, I think pretty good dancing, but sometimes horrible dancing. And, and they're like, well, maybe, maybe I am going to read what's up there. And maybe I did learn something. I, I like this guy because he's putting himself out there. And, and I think that people have really responded well to that. And, and again, you're never going to please everyone. I, I learned that very early in this process of, of, being a vet who's also on social media. Um, and I've had a lot of support from other veterinarians that are like, you know, we're, we're happy with what you're doing. We think that you're doing a great job because they know that it's not always, it's not always the easiest to get critiqued. You know, we get critiqued from clients, but to also get critiqued from people that have never met me, they live, you know, all across the country, different countries, and they're just seeing kind of what I put out there. Um, it can be really tough on you. So I think that overall, it's been a great learning experience for me, and it's only helped strengthen the relationships that I've built and continue to build with my clients. I think, I mean, that's a wonderful answer. I think from an outsider's point of view, because I'm not a veterinarian, something I saw earlier this year was that you've kind of paved the way for other veterinarians to feel safe and and able to share their own creative sides as well. And I remember a hashtag going around, I think, forgive me if I'm wrong, was it hashtag humanize the coat or something like that? 
I, I remember what you were alluding to. Yes. Yes. Um, I thought that was lovely because so many veterinarians were sharing their thoughts about their struggles with mental health, doing a job that is so, um, so mentally taxing uh, every single day and talking about other things that they like to do other than veterinary medicine as well. I think that that was a really wonderful trend that was going around for a while and it really opened up people's eyes and made them feel closer to all the veterinarians who put themselves out there on social media. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And and there's so many there's there's so many professionals, you know, not just veterinarians, but doctors and lawyers and all sorts of different professionals from every field. And and I've had people talk to me and they're like, how do you put yourself out there? Like, how do you how do you put all this out there knowing that your clients or your future clients are going to see that? And I'm like, you know, really, I'm I'm myself at the end of the day. I want to be genuine. I'm authentic. I understand everything I put out there is probably there for life. So I need to support everything that I put out there. But it's me. And if you if if you don't you know necessarily like me or trust me, then us having that, you know, kind of you know, client doctor relationship is it's just not going to be a win win for anyone. And you need to really trust who you're going to see. So I had one client come in the other day and she, you know, I'd never met her before. She was wonderful. And the first thing she said was, I feel like I already know you. And I was like, what, what, what do you what do you mean? She's like, well, I've seen all your TikToks and, and I, I've, I've followed you on Instagram and I just feel like I already know you and, and you're going to be my new vet. And I'm so happy to be here. And that was just such a good feeling to me. And it, you know, I wasn't having the best day. And just that little experience at the end of the day was was worth everything that I've been doing. It, it made all of that negativity go away. And I really appreciated that. And I know that there's little things like that that make, you know, other veterinarians I work with their day just go from complete zero to 100 in, in three seconds. That's so beautiful. And I think so important as well, because so much of what you do as a veterinarian is caring for people's absolute beloved soul pets and and it's nice to be able to know more about the person who you're leaving your beloved pets, uh, your beloved pets with. You know, they're in your hands. You want to know a bit more about the doctor. And I mean, who doesn't want to leave their pet with like a hip swaying veterinarian with a sense of humor? I mean, why not? Uh, and 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 also, just being on social media opens so many doors, regardless of what kind of animal job you have. I mean. I think both you and I have have been absolutely uh, floored by how many different kinds of opportunities have come our way so far. And that is so exciting. And to think that if I'd never taken the chance to upload my first video about a snail, which was such a silly video, looking back at it, I've made far better videos since, but it's opened the door to, uh, to TV deals, book deals, all sorts of different things. So my advice is anybody out there who's in any way, shape or form thinking about starting social media, do it. The time is now. And if you're looking for an animal community in particular, the animal community is fantastic. There's a ferret community, there's aquatics community, frog community, there's so many different communities out there to be a part of that that's incredible and i mean that's something that i really i know that we've talked about it but as far as just the outreach i mean you get so much support from so many different people that you might not have known if you didn't have this social media platform and and you know you like you said you didn't know that that snail video was going to take off and and just kind of pave the way for where you are today and i'm so glad that you did because you know, we wouldn't be here today. And I think that you're doing such a great thing. And, you know, I, I feel like I just keep talking about your YouTube, which is incredible. I mean, it is phenomenal. But you also literally authored a book. I mean, how many people actually write a book? I think that's incredible. And forgive me, what is the name of it again? Because I know it was catchy and I, and I saw the cover, but what is it oh, again? It's actually, it's called Animal Kind. And yes. uh, it's just, it's my very first work. I plan to do more in the future, but I knew so many people in real life from working in so many different animal capacities um, who have these wonderful relationships with animals animals, service animals, uh, emotional support animals. And I just, I wanted to put out a book that was very reminiscent of a book that I enjoyed growing up. Um, and I wanted to do a sort of my own take on that where I could share some real live animal stories. Um, and, and the reception for the book is just incredible. In the first 24 hours, it was a number one bestseller in multiple categories on Amazon. And I just was so blown away because 
to be completely honest, as much as I enjoy writing uh, and definitely had a bit of imposter syndrome, I completed that book against the odds. I almost backed out of it at the last minute because I was going through awful domestic violence at the time. Um, and I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to complete the book. And that's actually around about the time that we started talking is you you knew that I was going through a very, very messy, difficult time. Um, and you were so supportive in that and just, you know, having this new friend on social media and being there for me no matter what. Um, so this this book is not only just the triumph of me bringing my creativity to life, but also doing it against the odds. And I'm so proud of it. Um, and uh, I would like to do more in the future. But certainly every time I look at the book and physically hold it, I remember that the person that I was escaping from told me, you're never completing that book. You're not a good enough writer. You can't do it. But I did it. And I did complete it. And it was a number one bestseller. So there, in your face. <laughs> How many and, and and again, how many people can say that they have they have a number one best selling book? I mean, that's that's just incredible. And and as a kid, I can't imagine that's you were thinking, I'm gonna be an author. This is what I'm gonna do. It's gonna be a number one bestseller, right? Like this is this is not something you foresaw. No, I, I I've dreamed of it. And I I truly believe that if I really put my mind to something, if I want it that bad enough, I can get it every single time. I know that I've got that drive to chase down, chase down my dreams and work really hard for them. Um, and and I I hoped that it might happen, but I didn't know if it would actually come to fruition um, because I constantly have so many different projects on the go, as you well know, when we speak daily and I'm like, I've done this, this, this and this. And it's it's, it's so nice to be able to, you know, bounce ideas off of you as well. Um, and uh, I just I didn't know if it would actually come to fruition with all that difficult uh, drama that was going on. But but it, it's happened and it's proven to me once again that if 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 I really put my mind to something, I can achieve it no matter how difficult things are. And um, my my goal right now is just to always have the confidence to do my best. That is my New Year's resolution. I'm constantly working on being as confident and as competent as I can be. And I want to really give other people license and uh, inspiration to really do what they want to do. Because, I mean, let's face it, nobody ever ends up on their deathbed hoping that they pleased more people. People really regret things that they didn't do. And I think it's the things that we didn't do that have a way of haunting us later on in life. And I want to know without a shadow of a doubt that I've tried everything. And if I fail, which I do often, I'll just fail spectacularly and try again. Um, it's the same with, oh, oh absolutely. Um, and it happens in every facet of my life, whether it's in personal relationships or trying to tame an animal, uh, trying to catch my first king cobra was it was an abysmal effort on my part. And I almost got bitten, but uh, you know, I, I ended up doing it still here. Um, but yeah, just trying and trying again. And that's the same with, with my animal career. I have no idea where I'll be in 10 years, but I know it's going to be good. Yeah. And that, and that, and that's, it's just, it's incredible. Just think about how much better the world would be if people really just followed their passion and, and stopped worrying about, you know, what other people would think about what they're doing. You know, if you truly believe in something, like I'm always an advocate for go after it because I've, me personally, I've always been like kind of introverted. I mean, I've kind of been a loner. I mean, I've had friends, I've had family, but I've always been more like to myself. And for me personally, I never thought that I would be making videos of me dancing for millions of people to see. That is something I never foresaw. And I'm glad that I did it. Not not only because of what's come from it, because I've had so many people like, you know, high school kids and college kids and and older people just reach out to me and say, your posts make my day. You know, I want to be a vet just like you. And I'm like, you can be better than me. Don't don't even compare yourself like you can do whatever you want. And and at the end of the day, that is just something I never expected. And I'm I think it's incredible. I mean, it's just something that is so heartwarming and and just makes you feel like everything you're doing is validated. I think so. And it's wonderful that you encourage people to look beyond just seeing you as an idol, but as someone that can encourage them to grow within themselves. I think possibly my favorite song lyrics of all time is no one can be myself like I can. For this job, I'm the best man. And while this may be true, you are the one and only you. And I think it's very true. If we're true to ourselves and we really, really focus on what interests us and, and being good and kind people and helping out and trying to solve some of the world's problems, I mean, the the sky's the limit, not even. Uh, it's uh, th There's no limit, really. 
I mean, absolutely. It's it's as far as you want to take it. And then the first step is just getting outside of your comfort zone. And and sometimes like I get complacent too. And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe, maybe I should just stay where I'm at. But then I think about if I didn't take, you know, the chance months ago to to do any of these endeavors. I wouldn't have met all the incredible people that I have. I wouldn't have any near the amount of opportunities that I have today. And I would just feel like I'm not living, you know, to my fullest potential. And I think that that's something that scares a lot of people. And just imagine if, you know, 90% of the population was living up to their, their, their potential. I mean, it, it could be just a completely different, different world that we're living in. I think so. And it's important to be brave and take chances. Um, I, I don't think I've touched on this at all yet in the interview. Uh, I don't think I was going to, um, but uh, I, I worked for quite a while as, as an actress as well, working the London horror scene. And You did. I meant to talk about that. That was something that like, yeah, well, let's talk about it because I'm very interested in this. Well, I, I was going to say, I, I went to audition for a part in what is now one of the most infamous horror movies of all time. Um, and in the audition room, somebody told me, you're never going to get it. So I, I tried my hardest. I got the role and that opened up a world for me. And it's a very, very polarizing, very traumatizing movie. And people constantly ask me, like, why would you do that? And honestly, my answer is the same for many things I do. It's just I just felt like I should. I just felt like I should. That's it. It's like just this unspoken like feeling that you had. What what movie was that? Did you say what movie it was? Are you allowed to? I was I was tiptoeing around it, but it's actually um the human centipede too. Oh, and I'm gonna tell you something right now that that I've never seen that. I've never seen those, but I'm going to now. And I'm going to watch it because just because you're in it, and I had so many of my friends that watched it. And that is that is funny that I've never known that and, and we've been friends for over a year now. But just just taking that first step, like you said, to go out there and then someone was like, you're not going to get this part. Have you ever seen that person again, like in any other auditions or anything? No, I didn't. Uh, they literally looked me up and down and said, you're not getting the part. It's mine. And they walked off and I was like, oh, it's on. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> that, that sparked the fire that that now has become exotic, right? Oh, yeah. Never tell me I can't do something because I will do it just to prove you wrong. <laughs> I, I am all on board with that. I mean, that's that is incredible because your your life has just taken so many different paths. And and I mean, <laughs> you have just accomplished so many things. I I look up to you. I think that I think you're an incredible person. Again, I can't say it enough. Um, you're just so genuine and you're driven, but it's not it's not like a linear thing. Like every time I talk to you, you're you're going so many different directions, but you make it happen. And that's something that I think is a skill set that I have not learned quite yet. Um, but I'm sure it's not always been like that for you. No, it hasn't. I actually have struggled very, uh, very much in the past with having bipolar 2, which I was only diagnosed with uh three years ago now. Um, and at first I just thought, why can't I concentrate? Why am I constantly like living up here in a space where people are always telling me you're too much, you're too energetic? Because, you know, when it comes with bipolar 2, you've got sort of hypomania and then you've got like sort of more depressive episodes. I very rarely get a depressive episode, but I live in a constant state of hypomania. So like I'm constantly on the go and doing things. And at first I didn't understand it. I just thought I was weird. And then when I got my diagnosis, I was like, here we go. I can harness this. I can make this work to my advantage now. And whilst there was a lot of shame, I suppose, with other people who wanted me to hide it, like, don't talk about it. Don't give people ammunition against you. I was like, hello, world. I have bipolar too. And it's okay if you have it as well. You can still make it work for you. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And so, you know, it's not just my social media. It's not just about animals. It's also about personal growth and challenging yourself. And speaking of challenges, it's important to have people around you who want to support that growth. I can't tell you how many people as I started to grow on YouTube and in my personal career, um, just who who exited perhaps because they didn't like that I was, you know, proving that I could do something and that just sort of separated who was a real friend from who wasn't. But it opened up so much space for people like yourself who I have such friendly rivals rivalries with. I kind of wish that people listening to this podcast could see the chats between you and I because we're always egging each other on. And I'm pretty sure we have a bet that one of us is going to make it to several million first and whoever makes it there, whoever doesn't make it there first has to buy the other one a Rolex. So yes, we definitely do have our friendly rivalries. 
we we definitely have our our sights set high um but it always helps me to to know what you're doing because it kind of pushes me like when when i'm like well i don't know maybe i don't want to do that maybe maybe i just want to be comfortable with where i'm at but i know that that i can do so much more and i can do not necessarily in terms of of success but like reaching people i mean that's always my goal is there's so many people in this world and whenever i get you know people from like different countries messaging me saying like we love you. Like I'm a, I'm a, you know, a vet nurse in like Australia. I'm like, you're watching me and you're in Australia. Like that is crazy to me. I think the world that we live in, I mean, you can literally make it anything you want to be. And with, with all the things you've had going on, I mean, it really, you really should have a movie about your life. Like we should just stop the podcast and just make a movie. Like we can pitch this and I think it'll work because it's just incredible. Like I am so involved and like ready to see how it plays out. Um, you've just gone through so much and a lot of people, you know, I, and I've been there too. You, you just, sometimes you want to, you, you might make an excuse and you're like, well, I've got all these things going on. Like, I just can't, I, I, I don't have the energy or I don't have the time or I don't have the willpower to, to do what I think could make me happy. So they just kind of stay in this, this lane. They just kind of stay in that lane. And then, and then, you know, next thing you know, you blink and it's, and your life's, basically up. And I think that you're the epitome of doing the opposite. Like you have literally take, you have gone from your, literally your deathbed and gone through all these other experiences, which there's ups and downs and you've turned it into something that's just incredible. And I see you as you're, you're not even halfway there. I mean, you're still continuing to rise. You're, you're doing great things and I'm a huge fan. Thank you. And you know that the feeling is mutual and I really I get shivers sometimes when I think about the the woman that I have been and versus the woman that I know that I'm becoming every single day. I'm challenging myself in ways that I never have before and and breaking new ground. Uh, I didn't realize how much not only I was in love with animals, but animal people and the animal industry in general, the pet industry. I'd never really considered how much the pet industry meant to me. Um, before I started working in it and having brand deals and trying to understand not just my individual brand deals, which help to support Emzotic, but but what it's going to mean in five to 10 years. I'm trying to think more long term. And now, you know, one of my goals, I mean, I've got plenty of goals, but one of them is perhaps to be the very first um, animal influencer out there to really build their own multi-billion dollar industry, uh, to have a slice of the multi-billion dollar industry and do good things. I would love to have uh, manufacturing my own pet products. I'd like to help to develop different new medicines for animals as well. Um, I just, I want a piece of every slice of every pie and I want to do it so that I can help animals and people. You know, it's never been about the numbers. It's never been about the money or the fame or anything like that. I'm just so curious and I want to see how far I can take anything and how much I can help people and animals. That's that's the goal. And just to have a ton of fun while I do it. So really watch this space because I have no idea what the next three to five years is going to look like. But like I said, I'm going to give it my all and it's going to be good. Yeah. And I, I truly believe that and I see it and I know that if anyone can do it, you can absolutely do it. There's no question about that. Um, and, you know, also, I just I think that you're you're an amazing person. You're doing great things. And I'm so glad again, said it a lot that you came into my life, but you've been a huge inspiration for me and you've kind of helped me grow myself and and get comfortable with this whole scene because I didn't know anything about any of this stuff before you came along and kind of helped me. And, you know, you're just always someone that I can talk to. Like you're, you're literally a friend that if nothing else, you're, you lend your ear, which to me is one of the most important things is, is your time and, and you actually listen. And that's, that's pretty rare to find in, in people these days. Stop it. You're going to make me blush. At least if I wasn't so porcelain skinned, you'd be able to see it. Um, and, and seriously, look at you right now. This is your very first pilot episode of your new podcast. And and I just wanted to thank you for choosing me to to help you uh, put this 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 important day on the map. And, and you're absolutely killing it. I mean, most people wouldn't know what to do the second that they have a microphone in front of them. I mean, this, this is not something you've done before, but you're taking to it like a duck to water. And I'm so proud of you. And I can't wait to see where you'll be this time next year. Well, I'm so happy that you gave me time. And I'm so thankful that you came on my podcast. I know there's so many people that are just going to be interested and in love with your story like I am. And again, where can we follow you at? You know, I know there's going to be a lot of people that, that want to 
reach out to you and, and where can we find you? Oh, thank you. Yes, please do come and be a part of my, my creature crew. I'd love that. Um, so you can find me um, anywhere that, uh, that you have social media, TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, uh, Twitter, YouTube. And you can find me either by just typing in Mzotic, which is E-M-Z-O-T-I-C, or Mzotic Official, all one word. Uh, and, and you'll find me. I'm, I'm there. I'm pretty active everywhere, mostly on Instagram and YouTube, but I also share some of my uh, darker thoughts on Twitter as well. Well, I really appreciate all your time, Em. You're, you're killing it, and you're such an inspiration, and I, I can't wait to have you on again in the future. Absolutely. You should bring me back, and I should interview you. I, we'll, we'll flip the roles. We, you know what? That's a good idea. We can absolutely do that. We'll we'll flip it, and I'll get in the hot seat for a little while. Oh, absolutely, because I've got questions, Dr. Finn. I have oh, some questions. I, I'm sure you have a list of questions. I don't doubt that. Well, thank you so much for having me, and thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Em. Thank you.